Take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of Matthew as we start a new series in Matthew uh, this morning, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to take a look over the next few weeks in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the faith, a faithful God, a faithful God. The only reason that you and I can be faithful is because God is faithful. If God was not faithful, it would not be possible for us to be faithful. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 17 through 25. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now I want you to see verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that you would purify my heart, my mind, and that I'd be clean before you. I thank you that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, I pray that each one of us would be right with you, that our hearts would be tuned to be able to hear your word. And Father, that as we hear your word, that we would be blinded of your faithfulness to us. And, Father, that we can count on your character and who you are. Even when doubts and fears may assail us, even when uncertainty may surround us, we can count on your character. We can count on who you are to be faithful to your word and to be faithful to us. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that if there are those here this morning that do not know you, they will come to know you. And Father, I pray that you will help us this morning to be able to gain Bible principles that we can be able to take with us so that we can continue to be a faithful people unto you. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Faithfulness and the faithfulness of God is really something that is vitally important to our Christian life. If God were not faithful to us, we would be a people that would live in total panic. One day wondering if God was going to be faithful to us and then the next wondering if if we were going to be able to be faithful to God. 
wondering if he was going to care for us and wondering if he was going to fulfill his word and maybe the next, not even sure what was going to happen. See, if God is not faithful, then we cannot count on his word. See, too many times what we do is we try and count on feelings instead of his word. And let's face it, feelings come and go. They do. Sometimes, have you ever been filled with anxiousness? You ever been filled with fear? Worry? Doubt? Discouragement? Depression? Disheartened? I mean, I'm sure that there are all kinds of emotions that we feel, and even in the Christian life, and sometimes when you're going through the Christian life, you, you wonder, if I'm a Christian, why should I feel this way? I don't know about you, but I've wondered that. Why, why don't I always feel joyful? Why don't I always feel happy? Why don't I always uh, feel, feel uh, encouraged? Why, why do sometimes I get discouraged? Well, I, I can't give you all the answers for that, but I can tell you this. There's the world, there's flesh, and then there's the devil. And all three of those things are fighting against you. And you know, the more I walk with the Lord, the more I find how, how my flesh, it fights it. And it constantly fights it. I find that many times we think that it, our Christian life ought to be just one way that we ought to have these feelings all the time. And you can't base your Christian life on feelings. We must base it on the faithfulness of God. You remember when David said a very familiar psalm, he said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Why is there trouble? Why is there churning? Why, why is there discontent? Why is there discouragement? Why is there depression? Why, why is that? And you know, you can continually ask that question. Why? 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 He doesn't really give us the answer to the question, but we know the flesh, the world, and the devil... But what, does he, what is the answer that he gives us? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? What's his answer? Hope thou in God. That's his answer. Why? Because of the faithfulness of God. See, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. A lot of times things happen around you. But can I tell you? Not only do a lot of times things happen around you, I think more things happen within you. I don't think that so many times the pressures are so great on the outside. I think what happens is there's some pressure on the outside, and then it is magnified on the inside. And what happens is we start asking questions, why and what if, and I should have, and what all... And, and what started out as this has now become Mount Kilimanjaro. It's like Mount Rushmore. And what we've got to remember is we've got to remember the faithfulness to our God. And we've got to remember his faithfulness to us. 
that no matter what is happening around us and in us, he is faithful, and he is faithful to his word. See, the only thing that you and I have to bank on in the Christian life is God's word. I'm sure you've never done this, but if you have looked at other Christians, you said, man, why can't my life just be like them? You know, you have no idea what's going on inside. Just because somebody's smiling on the outside doesn't mean that they're smiling on the inside. Just because everything looks to be put together on the outside doesn't mean that everything's put together on the inside. Just because that marriage looks absolutely perfect on the outside doesn't mean that it's, perfectly, that it's absolutely perfect on the inside. See, and when we start to look at other people, we start to say, well, why, God, can't I have that? See, the only thing I want to get back to you, I want you to get back to this, the only thing that you can count on is the Word of God. Sometimes, what do we do? We look at our circumstances, and we try and judge God's faithfulness to us based upon our circumstances. Well, let me ask you something. Was God faithful to the people of Israel when they were carried away, captivity, in Babylon? He was. Because there was still a remnant. If, if we look at God's faithfulness based upon our circumstances, sometimes we will conclude that God is not good. Because our circumstances are not exactly the way we think they ought to be. We will conclude that God is not faithful because of our circumstances. How about Joseph? Joseph didn't have some, some really good circumstances in his life. He had a dysfunctional family. His family was really messed up. It really was. His dad and mom and multiple mo mo moms and, and half mom and he had multiple brothers. And I mean, they, they had, you talk about a dysfunctional family. That family was, it was like you look up dysfunction in the, in the dictionary and you'll see Joseph's family. I mean, it was totally dysfunctional. And then his brothers hated him so much. I mean, his dad had no problem showing favoritism. You know how sometimes in a family you'll kid, oh, mom loves me more, dad loves me more. You know, we'll joke around like that. Well, guess what? With Joseph's family, you didn't have to worry about that. Everybody knew who dad loved the most. I mean, there wasn't any question about it. It was little Joe. Joe was the man. Joe couldn't do any wrong. Joe never got a spanking for what we did. I mean, I can't believe you let Joe get away with that. Where are my parents? I remember. Remember when you, ba, 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 ba. And so what happened was there was all this animosity built up. And then when they had their opportunity to stick it to Joe, guess what? They stuck it to Joe. They put him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was thrown in jail falsely. He was forgotten about for two years. Now, you add up all those years and all that stuff that happened to Joseph. Can you, could you just say, think in your mind, I don't know about you, but Joseph was human, okay? He, I don't know, but, but if that would have been me, I would have probably been sitting there thinking, God's faithful? Are you kidding me? He's faithful? 
I've been, I've been totally abandoned by my family. I've been totally separate. I'll never see my family again. I mean, there's no way possible. They think that I'm dead. They're not going to come looking for me. I was, I was sold into slavery. I tried to do my best. I tried to honor God. And then I got falsely accused. I got thrown in the jail. I helped these two guys out. They forget about me for another two years. I mean, if you just based God's faithfulness upon Joseph's circumstances, you would say, God's not faithful. But guess what? You don't base God's faithfulness upon circumstances. You base his faithfulness upon his word. See, the reason that that we have a hard time with this is because we are looking at life through our eyes instead of learning to look at, at life through God's eyes. And what is that? That all that God does and all that God brings into our life or all that God allows into our life or all that God ordains for our life is that it will make us more like his son. It is for our good and his glory. But sometimes we don't see God as faithful because we look at our circumstances. But sometimes God uses our circumstances to drive us back to him. See, we can trust God to be faithful, to fulfill his promises to us, just like He has fulfilled his promises in the past. The Bible tells us about God. This is what it says about God. I am the same yesterday, today, and for most of the time. But that's the way we live, don't we? Because when we feel good, God's faithful. When we don't feel good, we start to question God's goodness and his faithfulness. It doesn't say that. It says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God is faithful to a Joseph, he's going to be faithful to us. How about Job? If there was anybody, I mean, this guy didn't do anything. Now, I'm sure that Joe, Joseph there, he might antagonize his brothers a little bit. Like, hey, look at my coat, man. (laughs) Don't you wish you had one? (laughs) You know, like little brothers do. But Job, I'm just, that's that's a dramatic license there, okay? That's not in the Bible. (laughs) Now, Now, Job, it says that he was a righteous man. He was a God-fearing man. He was doing what was right. What's even more perplexing for us is when we are doing what is right and then our circumstances totally change for no reason that we can figure out. I am trying to serve you. I am trying to honor you. I am trying to love you. I am trying to trust you. I am memorizing your word. I'm studying your word. I'm in prayer. I fast. I share the gospel. I give. You line up all your Christian duties that you're supposed to be doing, and you're trying to live the right type of Christian life. And then all of a sudden, if you will, all hell breaks loose in your life, and your circumstances are totally turned upside down. That's when you really start to question the faithfulness of God. 
But you have a choice this morning. Either you can look at your circumstances and determine whether God is faithful or not, or you can look at the word and determine if God is faithful or not. See, it's from the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus, which is the promised Messiah, that we have confidence that God, he will be faithful to keep his word. The first thing that I want you to see is that Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy. This is one of the ways that we can know that our God is faithful. The Gospel of Matthew is the book that bridges the Old Testament to the New Testament. In between that period of time, the Old Testament and New Testament is about 400 years. It's the intertestamental period. It's the time when God did not communicate with the nation of Israel. And now Matthew is the beginning. It's the bridge, if you will, into the New Testament from the Old Testament. And at this point in history, most of the Christians were Jewish. And Matthew was Jewish. He was a tax collector that had sold out to the Roman government. He was a traitor. He had sold out to the Roman government. But because he was a Jew, and most of the Jews were Christian at that, Christians at that time, most of the Christians were Jews at that time, excuse me, he wrote from a Jewish perspective. And, and Matthew writes to prove the fact that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. And because of this, since he's writing to Jews, what does Matthew do? He uses a lot of Old Testament quotes. You can find that, that, that in no other gospel, uh, let me say it this way, Matthew quotes the Old Testament more than any other gospel. He quotes it over 90, about 96 times. The only other book in the New Testament that has more Old Testament quotes in it is the book of the Revelation. And so Matthew is trying to convince the unconverted Jew that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Take a look, if you will, please, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by, uh, spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying... I want you to see, first of all, what did he have to do to prove that Jesus was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy? We're not going to read it for lack of time, but verses 1 through 17, Jesus' family tree. We see Jesus' family tree. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 49. See, for the Jew, there would have to be evidences of the validity of Jesus' lineage through the line of Joseph. It had to do with the legal practices and legal customs of the Jewish culture. And this, this evidence would serve as providing a tribal identity, a, a cultural identity, and showing the fulfillment of prophecy. Take a look, if you will, please, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Now take a look. Judah, that's, that's key. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Genesis 49.8, thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Now, this is, this is when Jacob is talking to his children just before. He's blessing his children just before he dies, okay? They're in the land of Egypt now. Joseph had provided for them, they, and Jacob's getting ready to die. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art going up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? 
The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of people be, binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. Now take a look back at Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Remember the name Judah. Jesus is fulfilling this Old Testament prophecy through his lineage. And this shows us that we have a faithful God. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Judas is the same person mentioned in our text as Judas, just another way of spelling it and saying it. Now I want you to turn it over to Revelation chapter 5. If Jesus does not fulfill Old Testament prophecy, then guess what? We don't have to conclude that God is a faithful God. But if Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy, we can conclude that our God is a faithful God. Because if Jesus could fulfill Old Testament prophecy, then it proves that God has been faithful to his word. Take a look at Revelation 5.5. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, speaking of John the apostle. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. It's the family line. It was his family tree. And Jesus' family tree reveals that he's from the line of Judah, which in turn reveals that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 5, 5. And what is he saying? He's saying now there's a future prophecy here. What's that? That one day that Jesus will sit on the throne of his father, David. Not only do we see that Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy through the line of his family, Jesus' family tree, but I want you to take a look at Jesus' fantastic birth. Jesus' fantastic birth. Take a look at Matthew chapter 1, if you will, please. See, this is important if, if you say, well, why is this important? Because this shows us the faithfulness of our God. If God was not faithful to fulfill Old Testament prophecies, then how can we trust him to be faithful to save us from our sins? How can we trust a God that says that whosoever shall call upon me shall be saved? How can we trust a God that says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? How can we trust a God like that? If he hasn't been faithful to what he said in the past, then obviously he's not going to be faithful to what he said for the future. My grandmother used to say on my dad's side, I'd much rather have a thief around me than a liar. Why? Because it's easier to catch a thief than it is a liar. I've often told the staff and other people that I've worked with, I said, look, if I can't trust you, I can't work with you. Our relationship will end. We'll get you placed in another ministry, but it will end immediately. So always tell me the truth. I don't care how bad it is. Just tell me the truth. 
I've told our girls that. Hey, I don't care how bad it is, how bad you messed up, what sin you've gotten into. I don't care what it is. Just don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth. Why? Because if somebody's telling you the truth, then you can count on them uh, uh, to, to, to be honest with you, and then you can help them through the situation. Now, God doesn't need our help. The point is, though, that an untruthful person is an undependable person. So if God doesn't fulfill Old Testament prophecy... Let me ask you then, how can you bank on your salvation? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 about Jesus' fantastic birth. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 7. Remember our text said in, in verse 22 that the Lord said that it was spoken of by the prophets. This is what God said. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, if you will, please. The birth of Jesus to be born of a virgin was prophesied 750 years before it took place. Hey, folks, listen. Look up here. We've got weathermen that can't even get the weather right eight hours from now. You know? And it is isn't interesting how, how we trust them, though. You say, what do you mean? I mean, if they say, man, a great storm is coming. I mean, a huge storm. We're going to have 450 feet of snow. It's going to drop within the first two minutes of, from, from 8.01 to 8.03. I mean, you know, and they're going on and on. And what does everybody do? They rush to ShopRite, and they, they rush to Acme, and they, they rush off here, and they're, they're clearing off the shelves, and they're grabbing everything. And, and the next day you get up, it's 8.02, and it's sunny out and 80 degrees. And you're like, wow. And that, that doesn't happen just one time. We're so foolish that we listen to it over and over and over again. And we just keep trusting them. Because we think that they know what they're talking about. Now, I'm not against weathermen. And if you're a weatherman, God bless you. But help me out here. At least get it right part of the time. And do me a favor. If you've got any control of the weather, I don't mind if it snows. Though I don't like the cold. But it cannot snow. Please. Saturday nights. For Sunday, I can't, I can't have that. Let, you can have it snow on Monday and Tuesday, not on Wednesday, and not on Saturday nights, okay? But don't we continually count on that? When you think, man, man, that Action News or, or, or Channel 10 or whoever you watch or whatever, man, that, that, that's a good weather channel. I, I'm, I'm going to just count on that. They're, they're just, know what you're saying? You're saying that they're faithful. I can count on them. Isn't it amazing how we count on on man, but we don't count on God. We don't question man, but we question God all the time. Man, sometimes I get so sick and tired of my flesh, I'll say, wait a second, stop that. This is what God's word says. Yeah, but, well, that's, that's where you're going to get yourself in trouble. But it just doesn't look like, it just doesn't seem like. I mean, what if, what if Joseph said, the angel came to him and said, now, Joseph, I'm an angel from the Lord, and I want you to know that Mary has not been unfaithful to you. She is with child by the Holy Ghost. Lord, now I know you can do all things. 
Lord, I know you can do all things. This is Joseph speaking. But Lord, this has never happened in history. And I'm a grown man. I know the biological systems that needs to take place in order for a woman to be able to have a baby. But Lord, I want to believe you and believe your word, but this just doesn't make sense. Biologically, it's impossible. Scientifically, it's impossible. Yes, but Joseph, I'm God Almighty. I can do whatever I please. I know, Lord, but You know, we don't find Joseph saying that. But you know what we find? We find us saying that. We find us saying that all the time. Lord, I know you can do all things, but you you don't know about me, my circumstance. See, Jesus' fantastic birth. Take a look at Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself. I don't know if you, you mark your Bible, but I got that underlined. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Mary didn't give us a sign. This wasn't Mary's sign. This didn't have anything to do with Mary. It had everything to do with the Lord. It says, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. See, the setting of this in Isaiah's prophecy is is where Ahaz, who was king of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, the kingdoms were split at this time, He was very concerned about the northern kingdom, which is considered Israel and Syria. He was concerned that they would come and destroy Judah and wipe out the kingly line. So God tells Isaiah, he says, look, I want you to go tell Ahaz and give him a promise that nothing's going to happen to the kingly line. Why is that? Because the kingly line has got to be the line that Jesus comes through. And to ensure this, this is what I, you tell Isaiah, you tell Ahaz. To ensure that he will make sure that he knows that the kingly line will not be destroyed. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a virgin conceive a son. You know what I find? Ahaz believed. And Joseph believed. Why? Because they knew that God was a faithful God. See, how could this come pass? How could 750 years later this come to pass? Well, the phrase in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 tells us, now all this was done. Okay, well, then you might ask the question, well, how was it done? It was done none other than by God himself. See, only God can have a virgin conceive. Only God can predict the future. Only God can be faithful to the nth degree of his word. See, only God can do these things. And what that does is it helps us, it reminds us that we can trust our God because he is faithful. It is the goodness, it is the greatness, it is the wisdom, it is the power, it is the grace of God that stands behind the prophecy itself and behind his word. And he made the fulfillment of that prophecy to come true. And if God says it, folks, then we can bank on it. See, you see those signs say, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Look, 
if God says it, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, and it doesn't matter whether you, you can, uh, uh, you know, God says it, I believe it, that's settled. It doesn't matter if it's really settled with you. If God says it, that's all that matters. Now, you ought to believe it, and it ought to settle it for you, but there are people out there that don't believe what God says, and it hasn't settled it for them, but that doesn't make our God any less faithful. Because his word is true. And that same goodness, that same greatness, that same wisdom, that same power, that same grace is behind every promise that God has made to us and that he will fulfill. See, because of the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, we can trust God to be faithful to us. Let me ask you this morning. Where is your faith wavering? You know, if we're not careful at times, our faith will waver. And all of our faith has wavered at one time or another. And if we're not careful in our life, what will happen is we will begin to question God and his word more than we just learn to take God at his word. Let me tell you something. The one thing that Satan wants to do, he cannot steal your soul. If you know Christ as your personal Savior, it's an impossibility for him to steal your soul. But he wants to destroy you. You say, how is that? The one thing that Satan wants to do and that he attacks consistently is our faith. Satan wants to destroy your faith. If he destroys your faith, then he's destroyed you. It's always about getting us to doubt God and his word. It was the first action that he took in the garden 6,000 years ago, and he hasn't stopped doing it, and he continues to play the same card over and over and over again, and we, as, as God's children at times, we continue to fall for it over and over and over again. You say, how do we do that? See, the reason we doubt God when we don't trust his word, when we don't do what he tells us to do. See, when we're, when we're not obedient unto his word, when God tells us something in his word and we're not obedient to it, what is actually happening? Our faith has been weakened and doubt sets in and then we do what we shouldn't do. That's exactly what happened in the garden. But God hath not said. She should have turned around and looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. She should have said, Satan, go back to hell where you came from. She should have said, God did say. God didn't say. You know what? I just want you to know, God doesn't want you to be like, he doesn't want you to, he's holding back on you. Let me tell you something, friend. God never holds back on you. He said in his word, I know the plans I have for you, that I want to prosper you, that I want to bless you, that I want to do good to you. God does not hold back on us. He gives us every good gift and every blessing and every, every mercy and every grace for us each and every day. The Bible tells me in Lamentations that his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Don't believe the lie that God is holding back on you. No, I'll tell you who's holding back. 
we're holding back on God. The reason that we don't have more blessing, the reason we don't experience more of his grace, the reason we don't experience more of his mercy is because we're running around doubting God, saying, well, I just don't know. I'm wondering, man, oh, I can't, is, is God going to be able to do this? Wait, hey, let me tell you something. If he can have a virgin conceive uh, 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 without any intervention of a human being, if he can do that, he can fix anything in your life. Let me just say that. I tell you, well, I just don't know, preacher. That was back in the Bible time. And, you know, well, last time I checked, Mary had no idea that this was going to be written by, about her. All that she did was she said, be it, be it, be it unto your handmaid as, as you would have it, Lord. Whatever you want, God. I'm so sick and tired of us believing the lies of the devil. I say us. Of us believing the lies of the devil and thinking that God's trying to hold back on us, that he's trying to keep something from us. Let me tell you something. The only reason we believe that is because we've got a warped sense of what our God is like. Our God loves us. He cares about us. Hey, if he was going to hold something back, he would have held his son back. And it says that he didn't hold his son back. And if he was willing to give his son for us, won't he give us all things freely? Is that not what the book, book tells us in Romans? If he was willing to give us his son, that he would not give us all things freely? Well, yes, that is the case. And let us not doubt our God. Let us remember that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And the God of the Old Testament who is trustworthy to his word has been the God of the New Testament that is trustworthy to his word. And guess what? Just because it's the 21st century and just because we got more knowledge and just because we got more scientific discoveries and just because we got more technology, that does not mean that we can try and disregard what God's word has to say. We can trust that more than we can trust anything else upon the face of this earth. We can trust the word of God. Sometimes I say, God, I don't know. You say, what are you getting that, pastor? Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, our God's faithful. What do you want me to do, pastor? I want you to come to the altar this morning and say, Lord, just help me to trust you more. Lord, I repent of my sin of doubt. You know, let me tell you something. You know what the w- most wicked sin there is? The most wicked sin that there is. You say it's adultery. Nope. Lying. Nope. Stealing. No. The most wicked sin there is is the sin of unbelief. By the way, that's what got us into this problem. Just didn't believe God's word. Say, Pastor, what do you want? I want you to come and confess and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for doubting your word. Forgive me for questioning your character. You know what unbelief says? Unbelief says, God, you're a liar. You know what unbelief does? Unbelief robs God, a God of his glory. Say, Lord, forgive me of that. 
I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that my God, he will forgive all sin. You say, Pastor, do you ever doubt? (sighs) I'm just glad you guys showed up because I was preaching to me this morning. Mm. It's nice of you show up. Hopefully put your tithe in because we got to keep the lights on. (laughs) Do you have doubt? Yeah, I doubt. What do you do? I run back to the cross. Well, what else am I going to do? I have no other hope. There's nothing else that I got except for Jesus. Where else am I going to run to? Pastor, what should I do? Run to the cross. Ask him to forgive you, but then say, Lord, strengthen my trust in you. Strengthen my trust in you.